It's Friday, and welcome to the Morning Show After Show, where we connect the dots the morning after. And we are so happy to be discussing today episode two, titled, It's Like the Flu. And don't worry, we will not spoil anything. We're only going to talk about episode two. We haven't even seen episode three yet. Hmm. Well, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Kira Lynn, and I'm a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. And I'm joined by my fellow friends and members. We've got Kevin Taft over here. What did you enjoy about the show this week? Um, you know what I was very excited about? Hmm. Um, Valeria Galino coming back into the spotlight. I haven't seen her since, like, Hot Shots from, like, the 90s or whenever that was. So I was excited to see her uh, as a character and I'm excited to see where she takes the show. And then we have Miss Morgan Rojas. What were you excited about the show this week? So I really loved uh, the dogs. Alex and Mitch (laughs) brought their dogs onto onto set and onto the stage, and I loved it. I feel like they perfectly matched their characters, too. So droopy, so prim and proper. I liked it. I'm excited to to track uh, the rest of their... Season. Who doesn't love the puppies? Right? <laughs> they have a good character. Exactly. <laughs> well, before we get into it, I want to thank all of you who joined us last week. And boy, you guys were all active in the comments section. We got so many conversations and comments. And I would love to read one of your comments on the show next week. So make sure you leave a comment um, where you're watching this. And I have a few I'd like to read to you guys yep. if you'd like to hear Please. it. Okay. Comment number one says... Great job, everyone. Ah, yay! Yes. <laughs> this is so great. Um, will this show also be on the Apple TV app? Hmm. Hmm. We'd love for that to happen. I would love that for that to happen, <laughs> yeah. but right now we are on YouTube, so you guys can keep, keep, keep watching. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, question, uh, comment number two. Do you think Mitch will come back? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah he absolutely. has to, right? It would, he was so pivotal in, in, in season in season one that it would be dumb if he was back, yeah. if he didn't come back. I mean, fair question, because he wasn't in the first episode. Right, true, so, true. There is I mean, maybe... and we all, we, we're talking about episode two, so yeah. we all know the answer to this question. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yes, the answer is yes. Um, I'm like, why, why are we hiding this? <laughs> bring it back, bring it back home, Kevin. <laughs> moving on. Right, moving on to our final uh, comment. Kira, yeah. you are so much fun to watch. What Aww. a great team. Um, I'm coming here for all of my morning show news from now on. Oh, you guys, congratulations. Pat yourselves on the back. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to jump in and talk about some of our favorite moments from this week's show. Kev, let's let's start with you. You know, I'm going to bring it back to the Valeria Galino part. I liked your interaction with Mitch, but I, I, I liked her standing up to that girl who just came up and wanted to give him crap to give him crap and also to make her a little instagram moment and i want to actually quote her because i literally was like applauding as she was saying this so she says (laughs) my first the first line's awesome that girl was just smart enough to be stupid she doesn't know what she wants from you if you apologize she says it's insincere if you try to do good for the world it's self-serving if you um, dare live your life the gall if you choose to die you're taking the coward's way out you must live and suffer, but you mustn't do it in front of us, and you mustn't try to learn from it. Mm. And I was like, and it weirdly comes back, because I feel like towards the end of that episode, Alex is starting to feel the same thing, where she goes back to that dinner, and like um, Daniel isn't, he's like, no, I'm, your apology is not accepted. And then Bradley's getting on her case, and there is that moment where she just lets, like, okay, like, I don't know what else to do. 
And I think she realizes like that's probably what Mitch is going through at right. this point. Well, and because she wants to apologize, but nobody accepts it. Exactly. And in the episode too, they were saying an apology is just the you feel better after you apologize. And it's just kind of giving you the opportunity to let go of what you caused harm to that person. So you can't, yeah, you can't win. Right. I like the parallels you got there, Kevin. It's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Morgan? So actually, one of my favorite moments also was kind of in that scene in Italy, and it's actually when we first go into that scene, and it's the song, the oh. Bing Crosby song, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Mm -hmm. And I love all of the music in this season so far. I think it's so great and so spot on. So I did a little research on the music supervisor, and it's this woman named Liza Richardson, who is a really well-known music supervisor and also a DJ on KCRW. Oh, yeah. Wow. Super fun. The whole point of that song is about a man who talks back about the system and how he's, that the system stole his job and how he worked so hard to make something of himself. And he was kind of kicked out and isn't given a second chance. Wow. And I just thought that was the perfectly used song for Mitch and his whole story. And I thought, yeah, that was so great. Morgan, I would, I'm never going to listen to that song the same ever right? again. I mean, I figured there was some connection, but I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't do my yeah. research. Yeah. No, it's great. That's listen really to it cool. again, and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, Liza Richardson, yes. Right? Like, great. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of my favorite moments is a little bit of a dark moment. It's when Corey is in that, uh, that meeting with the three other lawyers and they're discussing the lawsuit that's about to happen. And this kind of, you know, and we all love Corey, but this really kind of shows you where he's, where he really stands in that whole situation when he fires the attorney, mm, you yeah. know, yeah. basically for saying, you know, like Hannah's not, and Hannah's not here to, to testify. And it was just like, in his Corey way of saying, ah, you did it. You're done. You're out. You're fired. Uh, he's fired, but the three of you all have to leave. <laughs> that I love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. like, you know, he he did it so swiftly, and and the way that he reacted to that was so appropriate, but also just very Corey. And then was just like, doot, 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 you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, Moving on in his little Corey way. <laughs> How about you? What's, what's another favorite moment? Um, I thought it was interesting. When Yanko um, mentioned the Trump impeachment oh. and how he thought it was a charade or charade, whatever, um, you know, it's his comment is it's a practical comment because I feel like part of me is like, well, I understand what he's saying because he's saying it's like distraction and all that stuff like that. But there was a part of me that was like, ooh, is he going conservative? And is that going to be his trajectory this season? Mm, you know, the funny part about it is, we, and, and we had talked about this earlier, but I didn't really catch those moments. And now that you're bringing that, I'm like, wow. Like, yeah. And I love Yanko. And, you know, everybody, my God, not to get political here, but I'm very liberal. And I'm like, oh, this me sour yeah. for me. Yeah, there was a little bit of a, whoops, like, there was a little bit of a, like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we can wait and see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, especially the backdrop with COVID. Mm -hmm. And if he is coming, going down that route of being a little bit more conservative, who knows how that's going to play out in future episodes if, you know, anti-vax, anti-mask, like who knows what his stance is going to be when it comes, right. when it comes down to that. Right. What's another Crazy. favorite moment that you have, Morgan? I, okay, so because I am a Chip fan, Chip Black fan, <laughs> there is one line he says um, that he... When and if he meets up with Alex again, he's going to have words for her. And right. I just thought how the way he delivered that line, 
on the phone with Bradley, the camera cuts or goes down his arm for whatever reason. I wasn't sure why that was stylistically, that because he wasn't making a fist or anything. He just was kind of holding the phone in one hand and his, his other hand was just exposed. But he said, yeah, you know, if I talk to, to Alex again, I will have words. Oh, but like, you know, but Jeff. the funny part about it was like when he, I was, I was wanting him to say something other than that. I wanted him to get like angry. I wanted yeah. to like, I, I wanted to have a, a reason to, for him. He has every reason to be pissed at Alex. Mm, and I totally. want him to say like, you know, that beep, 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 totally. and he didn't do it. Right. And the, the words he had at the end of the episode were, okay, when do I start? Uh, like, oh, no, right. that's not, you weren't that tough. <laughs> like, <laughs> are those the words you were going to say? I don't think so. But yeah, that was just an interesting moment that stuck out to me. Well, I really liked seeing Bradley sit with her agents and management and basically sitting there. It, it was very... Uh, it, re it reminded me very much of the episode uh, in season one where Alex is sitting at the table and she's being reprimanded. She sits there and she like, you know, picks up the glass of water and she like demand, basically yep. commands the room and says, you know, I'm the boss. Yep. And this for me was Bradley's moment with her agents basically saying, no, this is, I'm the boss. This is my time. You work for me. Mm -hmm. And something I noticed and I wanted to know if you guys noticed has Bradley lost her accent? I feel like it comes and goes because I've kind of, some words I feel have a little bit of a twang to them. But the twang is almost like I, I have to I have to listen for it. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, it's not as obvious as it was before. But it might have been something that like it's been how many ever months, and they're uh -huh. probably trying to get her to be a little bit more just generic. Yeah, because she's on a, a nationwide talk show. Although her charm is in the accent. Yeah, and you'd think that they want to keep that charm because that's what they're kind of promoting her as. You right. Know. So the funny part about it is in the scene, it was like you, that was a, a moment where you kind of heard the accent come, come and go. But then it was, for me, it was like her accent's almost completely gone. Right. Mm. What I th also thought was interesting about that was that she, has she become Alex? Mm. She seems to be kind of morphing into her and not, you know, in, in the way in like her kind of sometimes nasty attitude. It's, I think she's starting to realize, I understand Alex now because... I'm not going to get screwed over by these people and I need to be in charge because they're going to take advantage of me. Yep. Squeeze this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Insult. Yeah. What was the line? I actually think I wrote it down. It was like, you know, um, if they squeeze, if you squeeze them, you just wait for them to squeeze you back. Yeah. And she's like, ow, you know. She kind of had a temper tantrum. <laughs> oh, for sure. She like stormed out. Yeah. yeah. And this yeah. is, I, I think this may be the, like the first temper tantrum of the season. <laughs> we kind of saw a little bit of it, you know, more of, um, more of it towards the beginning of season one when she was kind of like acclimating into the morning show. Mm -hmm. But now it's like, oh, she's, as you said, she's kind of showing a little bit of her Alex side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, guys, we are going into this lovely segment where Kevin gets to talk about fan mail. I am. I'm going to talk about some mail that we've received. So don't forget, you can send the fan mail to shows at HollywoodCriticsAssociation.com. Your question could be featured here and or answered by one of your favorite actors from the show. You never know. Ooh. So I'm going to read this week's fan mail question. Ooh, read it. So heavy, hey, everyone. Allison Johnson from Portland, Oregon. She says... Absolutely love the first episode this season, and I'm excited to see where things go. 
My question for the panel is why do you think Bradley had a sudden change in personality from season one to season two? And do you think that will be explained in future episodes? Hmm. I don't know if she has had a complete sudden change in personality. She's had a yeah. good like yeah. eight months to get molded into what we see in episode two. And we're not sure within this episode exactly what may have led her to this all of a sudden sort of personality change. But is it really a personality change? Because, you know, she has those, te like, those sort of, like, what do they call it? The 2F, uh, 2F, I can't oh, say Oh, yeah, two, yeah. <laughs> two beeps, Jackson, you know what I mean? So yeah. in a way, I feel that it is part of a personality just, you know, turned a little, maybe just turned in a different direction. You know, what do you yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, I think she still is definitely a loose cannon, mm -hmm. like she was before. Maybe there's a sense of entitlement as she gets more established in this career. Like she was talking with, with her team, the agents and lawyers, that she has now the budget to buy new clothes. She has more things that kind of establish her as this news anchor that can't really be replaced. As we see, she's not getting fired after being gone for three weeks. So maybe it's like this slight sense of entitlement that's just growing, as, you know, probably happens in Hollywood as you get bigger and more successful. It's hard to not let that go to your head. I mean, she is, she's like the star of the show. Yeah. And, you know, she started off kind of like a little bit more meek and now she's carrying the show. So she should be a little bit more in the know and they keep on not telling her things mm. and keeping things. And that's just got to piss her off, quite frankly. Yeah. So I think she's just gotten, she, it's almost like she's taken that first scene we've ever saw her in when she was like, I'm exhausted. Yes. <laughs> and now she's taking it and, and directing it in a different place. Right. Hmm. I like that question. Thank you so much. Thank you, Allison. So, Kira, speaking of guests, I heard that you talked to someone special. Oh, yes, I did. And how about we roll that tape? I am so excited because we have joining us today Mark Duplass, who plays the ever-so-frenetic Chip Black from The Morning Show. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm so, I'm so excited to talk to you because you are one of our favorite characters because he... Man, he's going through a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got some stress for sure. Well, I'd love for you to talk to us about where we find Chip in the start of season two. We just finished watching episode two, but I would love to hear it from your perspective. Yeah, you know, he, he had a rough run at the end of uh, the first season. You know, he gets fired and uh, I think he's feeling like he would like to take a shot at living somewhat of a normal life. And, you know, he moves to upstate New York to this little town, Elmira, and he takes a, uh, a job at a local news station um, with uh, talent that, that doesn't have enormous egos and that, and that, that don't emotionally abuse him on the hour um, like Alex Levy does. And, he, and he's, he's got a girlfriend. And, and I think he, he thinks, maybe I can just be happy doing this. Um, but the problem with Chip is that, you know, he's got um, a, a God-shaped hole in the size of his soul. And I think he is torn back to the frenetic pace of UBA. And, he, and he's, he's sort of pulled back, I think, in particular to his toxic, codependent, uh, fascinating relationship with Alex Levy. Why do you suppose that he does have this insense, insane sense of loyalty to Alex? Because it's quite obvious she's not loyal to anyone but herself and you know, we on the show have our speculations, but we would love to yeah. hear on why you feel that Chip continuously subjects himself to this. Well, I don't think Chip really understands that. I don't think Chip spends a lot of time uh, 
going to therapy or thinking about his emotions. You know, when you're, when you're the lead producer of a show like The Morning Show, I think you spend all your time taking care of everyone else and you don't think about your own feelings at all. Um, but I, I think, you know, my take on Chip is, is that um, he's certainly um, addicted to Alex. He's become codependent on her and how much she needs him. And he is addicted to being needed like that. I think that there's a part of him that uh, his feelings for her are very confused. Some of them are platonic. Some of them are, you know, straight up uh, brother and sister. And, and some of them are romantic. And he doesn't know which way is up with regards to her, but he knows that he needs her. Um, and, you know, I think that he has, he's sort of become the stilts upon which she stands in the world. And if she is not on top of his head, he doesn't know who he is. Um, so he's lost without her. Wow. You know, we talked on the show about how Mitch and Alex, their two, you know, careers and personalities are so very intertwined together. But it's mm -hmm. interesting for you to, to take that same sort of aspect and weave it in together with Chip and Alex. That's such an interesting perspective. Yeah, and I think she she doesn't like to admit it, but she certainly needs him in that in that whipping boy way, um, and and she needs him as the person who can see all of the worst sides of her um, and won't leave her, and so she's constantly testing him. I'll show you this. Will you leave me? And he and he doesn't. And then she goes even further and deeper, and that's part of what season two is about. Is how much are these two going to be able to expose to each other and still be able to um, be in some sort of relationship as, as you know, complex as it may be? Uh, you know, I watched some of those, those scenes with Alex and Chip and it literally, it, it gives me the willies because it's like, oh, like how can he continuously just take that lashing? But you know, you play it so well. <laughs> well it, you know, it's fun to play for me because I love Jen so much and we have such a good relationship off camera that I think, you know, those scenes could be absolutely painful to play and watch, but I think infusing it with some of the, you know, just natural affinity that Jen and I have for each other helps to keep it in, you know, uh, a more interesting space, at least in terms of, you know, playing those scenes. Well, you, you are an actor and a director and a producer in your own right. And all of those roles have their fair share of like high stress and stakes. But, you know, obviously maybe not as intense as Chip goes through in season one. Uh, that being said, what sort of personality traits do you and Chip share? Um, I built a couple of things into Chip uh, early on that in discussions with the writers of, of things that I really loved for him that I saw in my own life. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big leg shaker. Uh, when I get nervous, I'm a nail biter. Um, and I thought, well, you know what, let's just carry those forward. Those are going to work really, really well. Um, I am an extremely loyal person. Um, and while I probably won't let myself be emotionally destroyed as long as Chip does um, without getting anything in return. Um, I have been known to stick in a long time, um, you know, because I just, uh, I'm Catholic. I was raised Catholic and I have guilt and I like being loyal. Um, so, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and then I think that there is, there is a part of me while the environments I work in are not nearly as stressful or toxic as something like the you know morning news are. Um, 
I definitely get off on and thrive on the fast paced and frenetic and stressful environment of independent film and, and low budget television shows that I make and produce at my own company um, and the problem solving of that and being thrust into it and how can we make it work? It, um, it electrifies me. And so I can really identify with that in Chip. Well, I was wondering if you pay attention to any of the fan theories, you know, because they're out, they're out there. And, and if you do, what are some of the crazier ones that you've heard, you know, especially after your performance in season one's finale? You know, I don't do a lot of that stuff. A couple of things have been brought to my attention um, that there is a term out there, um, Chalix. It is the Chip and, it's the Chip and Alex Club, um, which I thought was really uh, sweet. Um, I, am, I am interested in people's take on Chip uh, because some people, depending on where they're coming from in their lives, see Chip as just a nice guy who did it all right and he really got screwed over by the system. And I understand that perspective. Um, uh, then I think some other people think, you know, well, hold on a second. He was a white male in a position of power. He saw some of these bad things happening. He kind of knew and he didn't say anything. So he is culpable and he should have lost his job, you know, and I appreciate that perspective too. So I, I really like what Chip has inspired in terms of debate, because when you look at the structure of the morning show, in many ways, Chip is sort of the moral center and the voice of reason of the show. But as that first season goes on, you start to realize that, well, he's culpable too. Um, and, and I like that, that element of it. You could really see, you know, towards the end of the season, how he's actually really ingesting how he is culpable. I really enjoyed that. I, I like that element of it. And I think that that's something that we should all be doing right now um, is is taking a deeper look and and not necessarily castigating ourselves, but at least looking at room for growth. Absolutely. Well, I want to jump into, we do have a few um, questions that were actually submitted by a few of our audience members. Uh, we have uh, Ruth the Shuffler asks, you know, what were the strategies used to keep the entire team physically and psychologically safe during the production of season two? Yeah, I mean, the COVID protocols are extremely complex um, and, you know, we could talk for hours and hours about them, but I will say that Apple did an incredible job um, of not only getting the right team, but spending the money. It really is a huge expenditure to make sure that everyone's safe and creatively. Um, it does take a little while to learn how to be loose and fun and creative while you're in an environment where you're worried about being uh, safe for your, for your health, you know? Um, but just like everything else, you know, after about a week, you get used to it and it becomes the new normal. Well, it's very interesting because, you know, in episode one and two, we are at the start of, you, you start hearing a lot of, you know, the coronavirus talk in the news and things like that. And I think, uh, I, I want to know whether or not it was, um, how it was for you to actually still be in that environment and kind of playing it backwards. Was it strange at all? It, it, it was strange. You know, it's like, um, it's like if you actually have a broken leg and then you have to play like you broke your leg in the show and it's like, wait, this feels very strange. I'm not ready to have the perspective to be able to play this correctly because I'm still living it. Um, 
But that is essentially what the morning show, for better or for worse, has become. In the first season, they rewrote the whole thing to incorporate the Me Too movement as it was happening. And for better or for worse, they dove right into that and examined it without the benefit of hindsight. And we did the same thing in season two, um, or I say we, the, the showrunners did the same thing. Um, and, you know, I, I do applaud them for um, taking on these massively complex uh, subject matters in a show that is itself trying to be big and pulpy and fun also for people to watch and using the platform to do that. It's, it's, it's ambitious. In the process of him losing his job, he kind of felt determined to really expose UBA's dark secrets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you'll be able to tell me, but are there any other secrets that Chip is privy to in regards to UBA that have yet to be exposed? Yeah, I, mean, I definitely can't talk about that stuff. I feel like, you know, someone from Apple will come and literally chop my head off in the middle of this interview. It will happen. <laughs> It will happen. There'll be like a big pair of shears. Mark, I have to ask. You. I'll be, I'll be beheaded, you know, <laughs> um, for sure. Um, no, but what I, what I can say, uh, you know, that is upcoming for Chip and and this season and what his journey is, um, is he's definitely going to be exploring what is wrong with with him and and Alex and their relationship together. Um, and, and I was really excited that the showrunners decided to lean into that dynamic. That was something they, they pinpointed that they liked. I love working with Jen and, and when they, you know, called and said, this is kind of something we want to explore in season two is what, what happens with Chip and Alex after all of that fallout. That was, that was as exciting as it could be for me. I can't wait. I have one more question from our audience member. His name is Todd Flora from Los Angeles, California. He asks, Mark, The Morning Show isn't your first foray into drama, but can you give me a few sentences of what you would use to sell diehard fans of the league on watching you as Chip? He is 180% diametrically opposed to Pete Eckhart, who is my character in the league. <laughs> Pete Eckhart didn't try at anything and he effortlessly made his way through the world. Chip tries so hard. He's so stressed and so nervous and he can't get anything to go right. That being said, both of them really, really like to eat hot dogs. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Mark uh, Todd will love that answer. You know what? We are out of time. I just want to thank you so much for carving some time out of your day to join us today here on the Morning Show After Show. Thank you. So, any, anything about Alex? I don't, I mean, I guess the one thing I would say is you have to watch out for her. You know, she can make you feel like you are the most important thing in the universe. So connected and then you turn and then she will push you off of the cliff. And she will justify it in her head too, but she is in it for Alex. Make no mistake. You know, everybody wants to win. Not everybody can win. It makes you competitive. I understand that, but it's different with Alex. I mean, if I ever see her again, and I, I'm not sure I will. Um... <sighs> I will have words for her. Let me just say that. <laughs> 
I am so stoked about the guests that we've been having on this show. I mean, can you guys have any, do you guys have any predictions as to what guests may come on? It should be everybody. <laughs> yes, all of them, please. At the same time, right here. <laughs> right here, right yeah. now, right, so close? Yeah, yep. we'll squeeze, it's fine. <laughs> so speaking about predictions, let's talk about some of the predictions that we have for you know, this season or maybe even the next episode. What, what do you got, Kev? Um, I'm actually curious about two things, but this new kid, Ty, mm. like, first of all, why is he on the show? So I feel like something is going to happen with him, and I'm curious as to where that's going to go. Um, I'm also wondering, because I assume we're getting into COVID times and that whole, you know, how many ever months are going to do, but how Black Lives Matter will come into play. Ooh, that's good. Right. How about you, Morgan? Yeah, so I had a couple as well. Um, one moment that sticks out in the show was when Corey gets a call from the head of the board saying, you need to fire Bradley. And he goes, okay, and just has that <laughs> smile. And then, will he fire Bradley? Oh, I don't think I, so. He's just being the—he's being that guy, like, uh huh. But he knows better, and he's—he doesn't care what they ask him to do. Yeah. Because immediately after he got off that phone call, he was—he ran directly to Bradley's room and was like, "Girl, you got to get your ass you, you beep together." You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then was just kind of like he—he laid it out—he laid it out on her. Um, and I think you know maybe that was his way of being like, "Oh, you know, you better watch out what's going on with you because." This is it. He, he didn't let on that he got this phone call, but right. this was kind of maybe, okay, maybe I take it back. Maybe, you know, he, that was him kind of laying the, the groundwork of, you know, this is it. You yeah. really need to get it together. Right. The fire's been to lit. Yep. One thing that I thought was interesting is when they're at the dinner. Again, this is just, I guess I loved that scene. Um, <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> they were all sitting around this circle, and it kind of reminded me of like the Last Supper in a way, because they're talking about, okay, we have to send someone maybe to, to Wuhan to cover this thing. And you can tell there were seeds of like betrayal from Alex coming back, like the prodigal son coming back to the, the family. And what is this death maybe that's probably gonna happen at some point that I think Kevin, you talked about in the last episode mm -hmm. that like that could be happening sooner than later, who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I know that COVID is going to be a big thing and just the image of this kind of last supper for some reason just sticks in my mind as being like, Ooh, this Ooh. was, this was like a turning point in the episode for sure. Who's Judas? Yeah. Who's Judas? <laughs> you know what? I think unintentionally, I think it's Alex because Me she's too. the one who says, Oh, um, Daniel should go to Wuhan. Oh. And, yeah, and he was not happy. Yeah, and I mean, she was also the one who was like, oh, I'm, you can be co-host when, you know, in the last season. And I think clearly it's unintentional. I think she wants what's good for him because she's trying to make amends mm -hmm. and apologize. But I think she's throwing him under the bus again. Unintentionally. 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 Well, it's funny that you bring that up because it's something that I kind of feel is a prediction. And it's something that I'm going to piggyback from something you said last week in regards to Daniel. You had said something like, oh, you know, is he going to, is he going to be bitter and, be, like, and, and either betray her? You said something along those lines. And, and to see that, that scene between Daniel and Alex where she's giving this real heartfelt apology and he just absolutely shuts her down. Like he's, numerous times. Yes. And, yeah. I mean, for obvious reasons, he has a reason to be upset. He has, you know, he, he lost that opportunity, you know, and 
just the way that he did it. it you, you, we all know that he's not the, the fun guy. He's the real serious one. And so it's like, oh, the quiet, serious ones are the ones that you need to watch out for. So <laughs> I, I'm predicting that Daniel does do something. I mean, yeah, he... Who knows what that may be, but I, I think my prediction piggybacks off of something that you said last week. So let's see where that where that goes. Yeah, keep an eye on Daniel. Yeah, the quiet yeah. ones, man. Mm -hmm. Quiet ones. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one more? Um, I was. It's more of a question. Okay. I'm curious as to how Mia is going to react to Chip coming back, mm. um, because you know now she has his job, and with him coming back, I just don't think that's going to be very. I don't think that she, I, I don't think that she's going to take it well. What do you think? Yeah. I don't either. And part of me, now that you say that, is thinking, okay, so she's been picking like stories that are great and important, but kind of missing the big clues with COVID. <laughs> I wonder if Chip is going to be like, oh, that's kind of important. And then maybe people don't take her as seriously because Chip is coming back and, you know, kind of fitting back into that role that he used to have and... Who knows if her just not choosing the, the COVID stories up front will have any sort of effect kind of on her job, yeah. job security or something. Well, I, I see that Mia and Chip run two completely different rooms. Mia shows that she's calm and really... She's she's really lo she's really logical and just you know very you know we'll we'll do this story we'll do this story yeah exactly mm -hmm. systematic, but then if I think about the the final episode where Chip is about to get fired by Fred, <laughs> and you know he is yelling at them and then he you know uh, Raina comes in and he was she's like you know. It's, Fred's on the phone. And then he realizes, oh, I'm going to get canned. And then all of a sudden he's like, you guys are all doing your job. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, he's just like, he was yelling at them in one moment. And then all of a sudden just, uh, and that shows like the, the different ways they rule the newsroom. And so if the last eight months, if these guys at TMS are used to the way that and the, the way that Mia is handling it and they like the way that she's running it to know that you know, frenetic chip is coming back. They, I, I wouldn't want to come back to that sort of right. environment. Maybe he'll come back different because of the last eight months in, in that other network. I know you're looking at me like that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, no, but you, you never know. I don't know. I'm, I'm wishing the best for Chip. Oh, me too. Well, you guys, it's crazy. Morgan and Morgan and Chip. I'm sorry. I can't hide it. <laughs> she loves them. Well, it's crazy how quickly time goes by when you're having fun. But you guys, time has come. I, but I have to say one thing. One. Okay, because I wrote bad notes, I called Yanko Yanko. <laughs> That's okay. That was really bad. It's so I'm just apologizing to Nestor Carbonell for calling him Yanko. Okay, because... And I did think that... <laughs> I did think when I was reading it, I'm like, that's not right. But, I, but then I didn't know what it was anymore. It sounds fancy. Yonko. <laughs> so I apologize, Nestor. This is Kevin's heartfelt apology to Nestor. That being said, it's time for us to sign off. But you guys, please don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that notifications button. Or you can tweet us also at HCA Critics at Twitter or on Twitter. Or follow us on Instagram on Hollywood Critics Association. Thank you guys so much for joining us. My name is Kirlin. I'm Morgan Rojas. And I'm Kevin Taft. Goodbye. Bye, guys. See ya. Woohoo!